When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maryland sports fans, there's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Longshot's Off-Track Betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome back to Bay Takes Podcast. My name is Mikey. And I'm Gus, and today we have a very special guest. His name is Ryan Hammer. He is what I would call an NBA draft expert. Uh, you probably have seen a bunch of his videos on TikTok. He knows... Uh, a lot about the NBA draft. He studies film. Um, he posts mock drafts. You should go check him out everywhere if you do not already, which you probably do. Uh, but uh, he is here to help us break down the 2022 NBA draft, uh, which is coming up in a week, I think. seven days. Yeah, uh, right after the. So this is the eve of uh, or the night of Game Six of the finals. So we have no idea what's going to happen there. We have our Warriors stuff on. Hoping for a win. Uh, Ryan, do you have a prediction for tonight's game? Do you think the Warriors can pull it out, or do you think the Celtics will force Game 7? Um, I think they're going to force Game 7. Uh, I, I think I'm rooting for the Warriors, but I don't have a huge preference. You guys got the – I got my Hawks shirt on too, but obviously it doesn't matter to me. Uh, I think it's going to go 7. I don't I have a, I have a, I, yeah. Game, <laughs> no, I mean, if I if I said they would win tonight, I would feel bad. I'm superstitious like that. It just so. feels like you know how uh, Tatum is the one who's going to be presenting the trophy because – uh, Adam Silver has COVID, right? So I think it's going to be symbolic oh, if the Warriors win tonight. If Tatum literally gives the Warriors the championship and gives the is Warriors that a truth? the championship in the Is game. that true? There's no one else from the NBA that's going to do it from the commissioner's no, office? No, no, no. The guy's no, it's name. Mark Tatum. It's the guy who does the lottery. I'm dead, dude. I thought you meant Jason Tatum for a second. I was like, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> No, okay, Mark no, Tatum. Yeah. I think it's Mark Tatum, right, Mikey? He does the yeah. he does the lottery. He's like the guy who says like the yeah. first pick goes to the. He's like the assistant commissioner, I think, or something like that. Yeah, so he, he would be presenting. That's actually kind of funny. I didn't know that. I didn't know <laughs> Silver had COVID. Um, getting into the uh, the real reason why Ryan is here, uh, we're going to be mocking the top fifteen picks. So one more than the lottery. Uh, don't be nitpicky about that. Um, Brian will be taking the first pick, and then every three picks he'll be taking. Mikey takes a second one. I'm taking the third pick, and we're moving on. Um, and we're just going to be breaking down who we think should go. Uh, we're going to put ourselves in the place of the GMs that are on those teams and say, all right, well, I would draft this person. So even if the Magic look like they're going to take XYZ player, maybe Ryan has a different idea. So, I mean, right into it, Ryan, who do you think should go with the number one overall pick if you were the Orlando Magic? Yeah, um... I, it's a, it's a, it's not a no-brainer for me. I just think like if you're the Magic, you're in this kind of you have a good young core. The team is looking good, looking up and things. Especially after a Franz it was a pretty good steal last year. You're still in a rebuild, so you still have time. And I think upside is the name of the game. And Chet has the highest upside in the entire class. Like he is the only not the only one, but he's one who can be like a deep boy or MVP candidate one day. And I think 
I, I, would, I would have a hard time not taking Chet if I was a team here. I understand they might go Jabari. He fits into any team easily. I think that Paolo is actually the best player right now. He's number one on my big board, but I still take Chet. It's like a hard thing to explain sometimes to people, but I, I know you guys understand that. Um, I'm definitely taking Chet if I'm the Magic. I think he makes a lot of sense. You get the Suggs-Chet high school reunion also, which is a little fun. So, What's up with that, though, right? Like I hear a lot of people saying that Paolo has the lowest ceiling out of these three guys but he's the best player right now. What's up with like being the best player right now, but not having the ceiling? Like, where's that cap? Is it like athletic ability or something? I think it's all relative. And like, to what extent are the other guys at? And I think they all like Paolo can do everything. He's the most all around prospect. There's nothing, there's no real, like huge weakness in his game. People say defense. Like I don't really see it. I think he actually is a decent defender with good instincts, but I just think like, you can see him in the NBA. You know he's going to be successful, and you don't know what you're getting out of Chet and Jabari at their ceilings, but you know it is higher because they're raw. They need to go into their bodies a little more. They need to kind of work on their polish, which Paolo does not. Like He is what he is, and you like what you see now is what you're going to see in three years on the NBA court, just a little, be- a little better and more experience in the NBA. That's all. See, like, I don't know if that really makes sense to me, right? Like, why can't Paolo become more clean, right? Like, he can, yeah. You're basically just saying he's the better player right now. What, what I, I still don't understand, like, they have more question marks, so they have a higher ceiling. Is that basically it? Chet has the raw tools. Like, a lot of guys, people draft for, they draft for upside. Teams draft for upside, and a guy who has... A physical, even if you go deeper in the draft, when you look at guys that were terrible this year in college, like Caleb Houston, Max Christie, like international guys that barely played, like they're going to get drafted high because they have shown enough potential and talent-wise and flashes that NBA teams are like, wow, if we take that and we do the right thing, we're going to have the best player in the draft. I mean, Mike, I think it's also more of a question of like, it's not because they have more question marks, like they have a higher ceiling. It's like they're already like this and... Like we, they have a, I feel like with Paolo, it seems to a lot of people, and I don't, I don't think I agree with this necessarily, but like he's already at a certain level with his like feel for the game and a lot of prospects, it's like, all right, you have the physical tools, you might have a great jumper or you might be great at driving the lane. You might be a great playmaker. Like if you, you haven't developed the feel for the game, which allows you to develop your other skills. And with like Paolo, he already seems to like get it in a, in a way for like a guy who's 19, it seems like he gets it more than those other two guys. And people don't think that, like, he has as much room to grow in that sense, so they don't think he has as much room to grow as a player. I'm not saying I see it, but... He is going to grow. Like, it's not saying he's not going to grow and he can't be better than them. It's just saying that at all their maximums that he he would be the third of them. That's all. I mean, I agree. I I just want to say I agree. I think I'm I'm a little bit of a, a Duke fan. My dad didn't go to a major college, so he started watching Duke, and so... You can call me a bandwagon, whatever. <laughs> I watched every Duke game in the tournament, and every time Paolo had the ball, I was like, why aren't they giving this dude the ball every play? <laughs> um, and, like, I know that you got to move it around and teams will key in on him, but his playmaking for a guy that size, and I just feel, like like you said, he doesn't really have, like, a big weakness. He was better defensively in the tournament, I think, when he really, like, he, like locked in. And so mm-hmm. if he can do that at the pro level, I don't see like a problem in his game. I think he's honestly pretty safe, but he also has a really high ceiling. He's 6'10", 250, and he's 19. Mm-hmm. So Mikey with the uh, number two pick. Yeah, with the number two pick, I'm going to take my favorite prospect out of this draft, which is Jabari Smith. Um, and I just think that a guy who can shoot over anybody, I I don't know if this is going overlooked, but like he's going to translate perfectly into the NBA because guys like him are succeeding right now, right? Um, if he develops, like, I know his 
ability to get to the basket and his ability to finish at the rim besides his like amazing spectacular dunks it's not like his physicality he's 6 10 220 right <laughs> but it feels to me like he always his inclination is to take a shot right his inclination isn't to drive the basket it's to take a shot and that's why he's a 42 percent three-point shooter um who's 6 10 220 and that's why i feel like sure maybe chet has the highest ceiling because he's he can play any position and he's seven feet tall but like i feel like jabari smith is my favorite guy out of this draft because he ha- already has this shooting ability and all he has to do is develop this ability to maybe get to the rim at 6 10 220 i don't think that's going to be that hard um and so that's why i just feel like he's my favorite and also he's going to translate to the thunder not that the thunder have any uh super good positions besides guard and the top three guys are all not guards. So, um, yeah, I feel like it's pretty clear to me. Um, I wouldn't be mad if you take Paolo, but, um, I like the shooting ability of Jabari and it favors over everything. Uh, I, I can't fault you. I mean, like all three of these guys, I feel like the thing that's going to come down to is like, no team's making a mistake if they take one of these guys, number one, number two, or number three. Um, I yeah like I feel like these three are clearly above. If you take anyone else in the top three, I would feel a little weirded out. Like if Ivy went in the top three, and I like Ivy as a player, but I think it would be a mistake. Uh, well, something that the... I mentioned didn't mention as well is like he's such a good catch and shooter playing with mm. Josh Giddy as well, right? I feel like that would work perfectly with the Thunder, right? With such good passers next to him, so I don't know. I feel like that would work. Really well. He really, I think I think I said it earlier. He. He's one of the only prospects, like maybe one or four or five guys, you can put him on any single team in the entire league because he can shoot and he's so big and like you don't have to worry about spacing and stuff like that. And he's going to offer good athleticism and he's he has an off-ball threat. He's an on-ball threat. He can do a little bit of that, both those things. So like you can literally put him on any team and be like, yep, he'll be fine here. Um, I, I guess my biggest issue is, I mean like, okay, of course we see he already has the shooting and he already has the, you know, the, the length. I know he needs a lot of people say he needs to fill out a little bit more, not to the level that Chet does, but he's not at like Paolo's size, and I think maybe he puts on a, a, a little bit of muscle, but he's still six ten two twenty, like he's got the size, um, and he's a he's the, probably the best pure shooter in the class, and he can hit you know these crazy contested shots, like it it's a it's a mini Durant like ability to shoot with like very little effect, like he he made the same amount of shots when I watched him. If he was contested or uncontested, he's just like, it's going to go in or it's not. And if you, you can't really like stop him from getting to that jumper, but there are going to be games where he's just not hitting the jumper. And so I'm not sure if I, you know, I think if he really, you know, the, the question is, does he d- develop into the defender he has potential to be? And does he develop attack in the rim? I don't know if like playmaking is ever going to be like his like forte. Yep. Um, and that's maybe the reason that I drop him down. He's probably my number three guy in the class. I think he's also probably like the most instant like he's probably going to give you 15 a game in his rookie year at least like i just think he's going to score he's going to hit threes he's going to find a way to do everything but it's like the and, he, and he's not like a bad rebounder and he's you know he, he's very projectable at the same time i feel like he has is not as good a uh, an attacker of the basket as i would like him to be and you know i mean he still hasn't a lot of guys who are that size they say he project as a great defender are they going to be a great defender if he works that and if he works on it and and you know I think he can be but if he can he can be an elite scoring and defense player kind of like Tatum in that sense like he can be a you know top 10 defender and a top 10 scorer 
in the league, and I could see that very easily. I don't know about the playmaking stuff, but... Yep, that's fair. Uh, number three, the Rockets. And I think this is a perfect fit, and I feel pretty lucky that Paolo falls, and I think a lot of people having him fall. Um, being a Duke guy, you might call me biased, but I just think Paolo, like I said, he's the most well-rounded player in the class. And I think what we're also seeing is, like, the very best guys in the league right now, Giannis, Jokic, you know, Durant, Embiid... Uh, even Tatum is getting to that level, LeBron, all these guys are guys who are big, can pass the ball, you know, some of them can shoot it more than others, but we're talking about guys who are big and can run your offense. Um, Embiid might do a little less like straight running of the offense, but he's still touching it a very large amount. And the Rockets have a really, really, really good young scorer that I know Mikey loves in Jalen Green. Mm -hmm who is, I don't know if he's an amazing like playmaker, creating shots for other guys, but as we saw last year, he can put up 40 uh, on any given night. He is athletically you know, freakish. He can shoot the ball. You're trying, and they have Shingun, um, who I also like just as his ability. He's a pretty good playmaker for a guy that size, pretty solid rebound. He's just like a, a, a large frame. I think he can develop pretty nicely for them. But I just think like Paolo, with that frame, with his playmaking his ability i mean what do you think ryan i feel like he fits perfectly with the rockets and i feel like there's like no other person that i would rather if i was a rockets at number one i think i would take paolo they're just lucky enough to get him at number three here i i agree with you for sure i think the biggest difference between the top three guys is offensively the on ball threat well there's differences defensively for sure chet's like clear of the other two but offensively the on ball of the on-ball ability that they, they command, the on-ball role they command is very different. Paolo like, needs the ball to thrive, in my opinion. I don't think he's a great off-ball player like the other two thrive. Chet is this high-efficiency like pick-and-roll threat. He can shoot, he can do a lot, he can handle. But Jabari is literally, like you said, we're a primary shooter and stuff like that. He can cut and stuff like that. But I think Paolo's on-ball role is perfect for the Rockets because they have the space to do that like they did with Jalen last year, they're literally just going to let him cook. This year is going to be so much fun to watch the Rockets because they it doesn't matter if they win a game all year, but they're going to be so much fun to watch, and Paolo's going to go out there, and he might put up a, like some triple doubles or score 30 in the night, and like he's going to go off at times because they have the role for him, and it's going to help him gain confidence, and it's going to help him develop more, and like that's where he needs to become a star. So I think it makes sense, um, and I think the Rockets got lucky. They didn't fall past four, three, obviously, but they got lucky the two teams that are ahead of them that really can't fit Paolo as well as they can. Do you think that, like, Jabari can ever be the primary scorer on his team? I was thinking about this. Yeah, I was just thinking about this when you were, t- we t- were talking about it. Paolo, like, Paolo, sorry. Jabari, like, my biggest thing for him to develop is he can do all these things. Attack, whatever, attack the rim better. And, like, he, those things will develop over time. Being the, like, the pace of the game needs to slow down for him. At Auburn, they play at such a high pace, high scoring. Bruce Pearl loved that. Run the floor as fast as you can. Get to the basket if you can. Shoot from, like, he would pull up from half, like, when he crossed half court on a 25 seconds to from the shot clock. Like, I'm like, what is this man doing? But he goes in. And I think him slowing the pace down more is not going to come as simple as it can be. And I think that, and because of that, he'll never be the number one option on a team. That's what I think of for Jabari. And he'll never be the guy that can be a point forward. And he'll never be an MVP candidate down the road. Like, that's what you want out of your number one, number two pick. Like, whether it's a good draft or not, like, that's what you want out of him. And that's what I think is going to is gonna limit him from getting there. Isn't the Thunder perfect for him then, right? Because no, because they have Giddy and SGA also. Yeah. So isn't that perfect then? Oh, yeah. Uh, sorry. I thought you were saying for him to become that player. Yeah, 100% perfect. 100%. Okay. Um, yeah. So you want to go to the 
fourth pick now. Oh yeah, it's me. Oh, the Kings. I feel like this is where the draft starts. Um, oh god. Um, see, it's tough because like they get my thought process. They took Davion Mitchell last year. They ended up having to trade Halliburton probably because of it. Um, they still might have done it anyway, but they got Sabonis out of it. There, like, there's, there's no way you can't take Jaden Ivey if you're still here at four. Like, it doesn't really matter who's on their team. Like, they'll figure it out. Um, I don't think they they want to be this win now team. I don't think they should trade the pick unless they're gonna get John Collins maybe, um, or like maybe an OG Ananobi. But I wouldn't trade it if they're gonna get Jeremy Grant or someone like that because I just don't think it's really worth it. Um, so I'll, I'll definitely take Jaden Ivey. I can't really pass him up here. He's definitely the fourth best player in the class for me. I have him in like a tier of his own after the top three and before everybody else. So definitely go Ivy. Yeah, I'm, I'm, no I'm, arguments. Yeah, they say, yeah, yeah. Right. they say, I mean, people say don't draft for, for need draft for the best player. And sometimes you do need yeah. to draft for need. If it's like close between two players, I feel like that right. is what's happening in the top three because they're all so close <clears throat> that you're just going to draft the guy that fits the best. But yep. at this point, like Ivy is, I, I agree the athleticism, the shooting, and you know he can play off the ball. He can. He doesn't have to be your primary ball handler. Like that's why I would have loved him in Detroit. But of course, Mikey's mm-hmm. not going to get him uh, in Detroit mm-hmm. there. But I mean, if you're the Kings, yeah. Like I, I'm. I'm still puzzled why they traded Halliburton. Fox was really good after though. So who knows? Maybe maybe they made yeah. the right decision. Uh, I know Mikey's we'll high see, on Halliburton. We'll see. I guess. But... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big Halliburton fanboy. So that was uh, weird to see. But Davion Mitchell is also playing well. So I mean. Yep. Um, yeah, it's a weird, they're definitely a weird team. It's the Sacramento Kings. You never know what you're going to get. Davion's probably not going to be like a starting two guard in his whole career. I think he's a great six man. Like if you can run Ivy and Fox, which is probably the most athletic and fastest backcourt of all time, if you can run those two and then Davion behind, even with Davion is still so fast and Davion coming off the bench. Like it's a good three man rotation. If you can fill out the rest of the roster, but they probably won't be able to do that. So, so, um, I picked five is kind of interesting. Um, I mean, you said the draft starts at four. I think it kind of starts at five. Um, so the Pistons are a really interesting team because I want to draft. I think I'm just going to end up going with Keegan Murray here. But they do have, um, uh, what's his name, Jeremy Grant. And then they also have uh, Marvin Bagley, which they just traded for, and they want to see his improvement. Isaiah Stewart is a center, but like his real position is a power forward. So it's kind of like they have a, a good amount of power forwards already. But at this point, right, like, they need more scoring, right? So Keegan Murray scoring, what, he was one of the best scorers in the league last year, or in college basketball, if not the best, averaging, like, 23.5 or something like that, Um, shooting really well from three. Um, So, yeah, I think overall this is the best guy at this position. Um, Yeah, I don't really know what else to say. I mean, he's a huge guy who can shoot from the three, um, and prove that he can score in college. Um, how do you think that can translate? For question for you guys, he's gonna he's gonna translate easily because, like he's he's one he had one of the best player efficiency ratings in the entire country. Also, which I think shows even with his on ball role that he played at Iowa because they weren't that good after him and his brother and a couple of other players. Like he had to kind of carry the ship there, and with that, a lot of volume, a lot of usage, a lot of the ball in his hands. He's still at high efficiency, shot the ball well, like you said, he's a three-level scorer, he's long, he's athletic. I think his athleticism and defense is pretty underrated. Like, he is not as far off from, like, Jabari and even Chet's size and length as people think. 
Um, and it's so easy to slot him in next to a point guard to play like catch and shoot off the cutter and stuff like that. Like it's Kate is gonna would love to play with the guy like that. It, it's he's basically an oversized two guard at that point. So I like Keegan Murray. I think he's like going to be good in the NBA. I don't think there's like unless he gets hurt or something, which you can't project. I think he's just he's like yeah, like you said, he's just like maybe like a better version of Abaji in the way that like you know Abaji is you know a little older and. I mean, I just think Keegan Murray's more talented and just a better player, but uh, he's gonna like he's gonna translate well to the NBA. My only issue with Keegan Murray is that even though he's like a sophomore, he's what twenty one and a half or something, Dope, and yeah. like I feel like if you're drafting in the top five, I like really would rather, especially with someone like Cade, who like is your championship window really gonna be in the next like couple years? Like it's probably three four years down the road at least. Yeah, but uh, how old is Cade though? Cade's like twenty, right? Yeah, right, so no, they're, so, I mean, they're basically the same age in that sense. So yeah, I mean, I off. think you have time. So I don't have a huge issue with it, but like I, I wouldn't be mad if they took someone more developmental if they feel like they can mold them into a better player. I also don't think that Detroit's player development has been like <laughs> one of the best. So um, if it was like the Spurs, Warriors, it might be different, but I feel like um, the Celtics, same type of thing, great player. Maybe that's why I take Keegan then, because they're not a good player development system. Yeah, exactly. if, or if they're not, because like you know what you're getting out of Keegan. Like he might not... The guys that he, the architect that you want him to go into is Brandon Ingram, but he's never going to be that on-ball threat and calm presence and be able to kind of like go into ISO mode really, 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 really well and effectively. But like, you you know what you're getting out of him, kind of thing. Like he's one of those older prospects, so maybe that is why they take him. I mean, I think like down the road when you in like five years when we look at this class and someone did like a redraft, they might draft him at like ten. He might be the tenth best player in the class, but it's also like he's gonna like you also know that he's probably gonna be like in there somewhere he's not yeah, gonna he, like is bust he more proven is he more proven than like i maybe this is crazy but all of his stats are better than paolo's right like he shoots 39 percent from three and average 23 a game and maybe that's just because if you put paolo on, on iowa though like it'd be, it'd be yeah, doing the same that's thing what that's yeah. what i was just gonna say My bad, yeah, yeah. So he was like the dominant guy and paolo had like five guys who are gonna go in the <laughs> they were stacked that's good all right exactly so yeah, I mean, yeah. Right. Um, um, is it me now? Six, yeah. Number six, yeah. Um, so this is the Pacers. Uh, mm. I don't want them. To, I don't want to take a like a point guard. And like I'm thinking, you know, Dyson Daniels. Uh, I haven't had a chance to watch too much of his film, but uh, from what I've read and watched a little bit, he can play make pretty well. He's a, one of the best defenders in the draft. I think he's very versatile. Um, I don't know how well he can play off the ball. Um. So I'm not, that's like my big thing is like, I think Halliburton's going to be your guy who's handling the rock. And so there's like, I mean, like the issue is right. I'm tempted to take sharp, but I also think that sharp is like, it could be really risky. I think sometimes he, a lot of the time he just doesn't buy in on the defensive end and he hasn't shown the ability as a playmaker. Now he has a really nice step back jump shot. Uh, like we know he can create his shot and we know he can make some tough jumpers. Uh, and he's really athletic. He's got a crazy vertical. That's never been officially measured, but people can see on film. He just gets way up there. Uh, and he can block some shots with that, you know, athleticism. I don't know if, like, like the question is, like, you know, Anthony Edwards in college and even, like, coming out of high school more than that, when, when people were seeing him, like, okay, like, you know, I don't think Georgia was that good when he was there. Um, yeah, you know, he's, he's a great player, but they were not a great team. And so... People are like, is he going to buy in when you really like need him? And on the Timberwolves, we've seen he's bought in. Uh, he's an incredibly hard worker. And however much of that is because of Steve Kerr, we don't know. But uh, <laughs> I- I'm not sure if I can trust Sharp 
in that sense. But I also think Sharp fits better. So I'm going to take Sharp. I think he has a super high ceiling. Mm. I think he has a very low floor. I think that it could be a really bad pick, and it could, like, there's a chance he ends up being one of the best scorers in the entire draft, and we look back and we're like, why didn't we take this guy? Uh, he's got, like, the athletic tools and the shooting ability to be really good. I don't I don't think the Pacers are anywhere close to a playoff team, and, you know, TJ Warren's going to be a free agent. I don't. I just don't uh, know if I love the Dyson Daniels fit, but I, you might. I don't know. You, you know more. What? They're also trying to get rid of Miles Turner, right? They've been there's been trade rumors of Miles Turner. I think they're keeping him. Are they for sure keeping him? Because I think they're the- leaning towards keeping him and trying to move Brogdon, which is going to be that's a good point. Like, uh, are they going to take another third playmaker if they keep Brogdon? That'd be crazy. Yeah. Um. Wait, Gus, you were talking when we were like discussing this draft. You really like Sohan, right? And a, like not a this high. Defender, you don't think, you don't think you're taking this high? I love Sohan as a player. A lot of people have been like, you know, his jumper sucks. And like, yeah, it kind of does. Uh, in a lot of senses, like at least his three-point shot and his free throws, like his percentages are not great. I think it'll get better. Um, but he provides a lot of stuff. I don't, I can't justify taking him at, at six, I don't think. I just don't, I don't. I love him as a prospect. He might be my favorite like player compared to on the class. And Ryan, Ryan might feel differently. Maybe he would take him this high, but I, I, I wouldn't take him at six. At the same time, there's a lot that he provides. He's like kind of the opposite player of Sharp. Like he's not going to score as much, but he does everything else. Um, so I think for the Pacers, I think you're just taking like I think Soam. We know you're going to get really good defense, and and there's a chance for him to be a a lot more. With Sharp, I think the Pacers are just like, all right, we're swinging for the fences, and if we hit this, now we've got someone who looks like he's going to be a top-five playmaker in the league in Halliburton. Um, We've got Miles Turner, who's like a a really nice stretch and great shot-blocking center, and now we've got a scoring wing. Like We've got sort of like a bunch of the things in the NBA. Now we just need maybe that dynamic like passing forward or something, and now we've got our roster, right? Uh, and maybe that passing forward is so in, and they want to go the other route. But I mean, what do you think? Do you? I I, I know I feel like you're not that high on Sharp, and I wouldn't blame you because he's really iffy in some cases. I like I not I have no knocks on Sharp that I think he's gonna be a bad player. I just think I have less confidence in him not only because of the lack of tape and lack of play at the combine and stuff like that, but because of the type of player he is. With that, he is like a raw, athletic, long. I think he's like six five, six six, two or two guard, maybe a little three. He plays the wing very much like Jalen Brown was coming out of college and guys like that where they need the development and, and polish. And, like, Jalen Brown's shot completely changed from when he went to Cal into his rookie and, and sophomore year in the league. And Sharp is going to take tweaking and fixes on certain things like that. And because of that, combined with, like, the lack of what we've seen, like, you don't know exactly what you're working off of versus high-level competition. Like, that's the reason why I question Sharp and why I, I wouldn't – like, I, would, I wouldn't take spend – Personally, it's been a top five and probably six or seven pick on him with the guys that are here. But if you told me in like six years he's an all he he was a two time, three time all star, and I'm like, yep, well that makes a lot of sense because he's obviously he was obviously good in high school. Uh, well, who would you have taken if you if you had the? I mean, I guess you're up for the seventh pick, but for the Pacers, I'll, it might I'll be seven. Different. I'll, I'll at six, I probably would have taken Matherin. First of all, I love Sohan. He's Jeremy Sohan's my favorite prospect in the class. Like he is. He can be like a very a poor man's version of Scotty Barnes. Like he's a Swiss Army knife. He does everything. He's the most versatile and I think best defender in the entire class. He's a really underrated playmaker. Can be a secondary playmaker next to a really good guard, which teams do need. Like you can't just have one playmaker and that's it, and then you're good. Um, but it's it's a balance of things. Um, but I would have taken Mather, and I think he is like baby Andrew Wiggins in a lot of ways. And I think 
He like you talked about Jabari before being able to get his own shot. Six seven with a six nine wingspan at the three. He could even play the two, and he's been shooting really well throughout the year. He shot more and more threes. He became more confident in his three in the clutch in every situation. So I like Matherin there, but I understand like if a team if the Pistons took Sharp, I'd be like I I get it. I understand why. I just wouldn't do it myself. So at seven for you for at the seven, Blazers. That's right. Um, so it makes it tough because I thought Matherin might go. I thought Dyson might go. It would make my life a lot easier because I would just take one of those two because I love – Dyson is number five on my big board. Like I literally love him. If you want defense, you go get him. If I'm the Blazers and I want to be real about this, I and say we're, we're drafting here because we didn't trade for Jeremy Grant or Julius Randle or something, which like it wouldn't be the worst thing. I, I actually don't think Julius would be a, a really bad fit here. I think it would be decent. If I'm drafting here – I'm thinking in five years when Dame is gone, when we still haven't gotten close to a title, who do I want on my team? And I want Dyson Daniels because I think he has, he's my fifth best prospect in the class. He's a lead guard, 6'8", lead guard, really good passer. His shot, especially in the catch and shoot off ball, got immensely better in the last like nine games of the season, I think it was. He shot like 45% in catch and shoot threes, which gives me a lot of confidence in his form. His mechanics are getting a lot better. He is also the best perimeter defender in the entire draft class. Like without a doubt, I say that. And because of that, like you don't find guys like that easy. Um, I think he has like a very Ben Simmons potential esque potential with a better jump shot, and that would be like a top ten player in the league. And I'm not saying he'll be a top ten player in the league, but I could very reasonably see that happening. All right. So, uh, yeah. do you want to discuss it? I oh yeah, I I already know who I want to take with my next pick. Um, so if you want to discuss it, <laughs> yeah, fire ahead. away. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, this is so clear to me. Like Matherin is one of my favorite players in this class already. And the Pelicans need is point guard, right? Because they have CJ McCollum at their one right now. Um, right. And I don't know. This is just perfect. I think they could be a top five team in the West, right? Think about it. Zion scoring 27 a game. Brandon Ingram scoring 27 a game. CJ McCollum probably averaging like 20, right? Those What other teams have guys like that, right? Three guys who can get buckets like that with amazing defenders with Herb Jones um, and I don't know what Zion's going to be like, obviously, um, because no one does. But Matherin is perfect here, right? The second or third best. I mean, I don't know, man. Um, he's he could be a star. He could be. He's such a prolific scorer, and the Pelicans need three point shooting. They need outside shooting at the wing, and like he would offer that. I think AJ Griffin, like guys like that, makes sense for the Pelicans. But if Matherin's there, I'm I'm with you. Like, there's no way they pass him. Matherin playing the point guard role, though. No, he, he won't. He won't. He's definitely, he's definitely, he's like, imagine what Andrew Wiggins is doing for you guys right now, doing for the Warriors. Like, that's what he, he wants. He can be. Interesting. All right. I mean, because like, I, for some reason, I always imagine him as a point guard. And then every time I get it wrong that he's a shooting guard because he's 6'6, 210. He's um, big. He's big. Yeah. Yeah. So Dyson would be, make sense. Like, Dyson is the guard that, like, would be great for them, especially defensively and stuff like that. Like, their defense would be re- absolutely ridiculous. And he, it'd be huge, too, their roster. Massive. I mean, okay, if you're the, I have a question for you because if you're the Pelicans, like I feel like I have a lot of scoring and I feel like the biggest thing they would want is like a playmaking point guard. Um yeah. and I don't think Alvarado is my starting point guard. I, I love Alvarado, <laughs> but like I don't think I trust him handling the ball for me in like big games. Uh as much as I think he's like a great bench piece. I think that I like like is there any chance they would trade down or try to trade this because I think they feel like they can win now and I'm not saying that they can be a title contender but we saw them really test the one seed I know they didn't have Booker for some of that but I mean we've seen 
we see that their roster, if Zion comes back, like they, they have something there. Like I don't know what it's going to be, but it's something. Is there any chance they trade down maybe, they get a veteran, and then they also get you know Ty Ty Washington, who's like a good playmaker. But like I don't know if I love Ty Ty Washington to the point where it's like, you know, I mean, Matherin's clearly a much, much better player. Yeah. The only way they would trade down is if they got someone that made sense, like Brogdon, but the Pacers don't have a pick other than six out until 31 and then 60. I don't think they trade down because the Pelicans aren't like they're they're one player away from maybe being a contender, but that one player is Luca or Steph or Kyrie or Trey or Ja or something like that. Like they're not like they're not getting that guy tomorrow. Um, and I think they're still pretty young. Look at the roster. Ingram's probably what like twenty six, something like that, twenty five. No, he's twenty four. I think he's like actually Great. way younger than you think. So. That's the point. Is that, like and with Zion just getting into like hopefully what you can get out of him and Herb Jones is I freaking love Herb Jones so much. Like your team is young and you want to be good for the next four or five six years to come. You don't want to be like you don't want to push the needle too much and be like let's trade back and get what we need because we think we can win tomorrow when they're not going to win a title next year no matter what can they win a playoff series maybe but that's probably their ceiling so they they have to just go with whatever is best at this point if they're still picking an A I highly doubt that they move at all up or down I think they're one of the teams that's pretty locked into where they're where they're drafting I feel you I I have no issues with that yeah. at number nine um the Spurs I have seen a lot of like more developmental guys mock to them here. I think that we know Pop's a great player developer, and even if he's gone, like, soon, you know, he's getting up there in age. Uh, we know that, you know, that whole organization is just well-run. Um, and so I've seen, you know, in the past drafts, we've seen them take some guys like Josh Primo last year, who is, like, you know, very, very raw prospect. Yeah. Um, and has potential, right? No, No one's, you know, denying that. I mean, I feel like the prototypical guy there would be Usman Jang because he's, you know, a 6'10", like, scoring wing who can, and he can play make a little bit, and he can, he profiles as a pretty good defender. Like, you see the athleticism, uh, and we don't know as much about him maybe as these other prospects, but, um, and I haven't watched enough film on him, but, like, that feels like the most Spurs guy here. Uh, so that's who I'm going to take. I'm going to take Usman Jang. Mm. I also don't know as much about him as the other prospect I haven't done as much of my research but I feel like he feels like the most Spurs guy he's a big wing or like a you know a lengthy wing who can you know yeah, as I've watched my France, right what Spurs like their guys from France they do DL but I don't know if they drafted DL but they had DL they had Parker we know we know that um I don't feel like the Spurs are a guy away from winning like the West is I mean the league is loaded right now there's They're a, a guy lot of good the playoffs teams. They're probably yeah. a guy away from the playoffs like next year, but it will. I don't know if that. Happens. Dejounte Murray made a jump, and I, I there's nothing telling me he can't like improve his jumper more and like you know become a really really great player. But I still yeah. don't think they can be like a real contender in any way. So I think they take a guy who in five years you could be like, wow, like this guy. You know, if if we had known he could be this, he might have gone higher in the draft. They're probably really um, looking for Matherin, right? That's probably who they're eyeing. Right? Um, I think it. I'm, I don't know. They would love. They would love Matherin. I think. From what like I have seen from Spurs talk and stuff like that in, in their in their camp and stuff, like it seems like Duran and Sohan like they love and I think those are perfect fits. Um, but Jang, like they've also been rumored to try to trade up. They have they have picked twenty and twenty five, so there's a lot of talk about them drafting at nine to whatever falls best to them, and then trading up to whether that's ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, like whatever, depending on who else is going to be there. Like using those two picks because they can get two guys like. We're mentioning these guys like Usman and Dern and so on. They can they can come out with two of them just like that off of one small trade back in, into the back end of the lottery. So, um, but, uh, I mean, yeah. I think you're up at ten, yeah. and I I have a pretty 
you know, I have an inkling of one of someone you might take here, but I could be wrong. So I will say about Usman Jane, by the way, I love that pick because I think I said in my, in my I posted a YouTube video today about my big board. I said that he could be the face of the league in a few years. Like, I don't think he's going to be honest. I'm not saying he's going to be honest and win MVPs and stuff like that. But I, he could be a potential guy who you look back on a lesser level than Giannis and you're like, what the hell was everyone missing? Like, how, what did we miss? What did we miss? Um, and it's, I think he's one of those guys. I would have loved to have, have him at 10, even though the Wizards do have guys like that. But now it gets tricky because, like, I love Johnny Davis there, but I also love Sohan. I mentioned Endurance still on the board, but, like, they don't need a center, I don't think. I don't think the Wizards need that. I would honestly call – I'd call the Knicks, I'd call the Hornets, and I'd call the Spurs, and I'd say, who wants this pick because Jalen Duren's on the board and y'all, y'all need a center, and he's the best center available, like the best true center possible in the class. Um, but all that being said – I mm, I love Jeremy Sohan. I think Johnny Davis is a perfect fit here. I think he's a perfect fit in Washington. I'm gonna take Johnny. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense. He, he has a high floor, lower ceiling. I think. I don't think he's gonna ever reach those Booker expectations like people want him to. He's a really good pure scorer, um, but he'll learn a lot from Bradley Beal as a playmaker, helping him, and also as a scorer behind him. So, I like the pick. My my issue when I'm watching Johnny Davis is like. You can see the potential getting to the basket, finishing at the rim. Like, he's strong and explosive. Uh, And I think he was maybe the best guy that I saw just getting his hands into, like, digging down into the post or digging down to help. He didn't need to get his body all the way over. He was really good at not overcommitting in help, but getting steals, creating transitions, and that's how he got a lot of his buckets. And I think that translates really well to the NBA. It's a a fast league. It's a transition league, I think, that he can be very helpful in that sense. Sure, he's, like, not... Uh, the most, like you said, like high ceiling of prospects, but he can attack the rim and he can clamp. And I think the, my, I, my issue for him is like some, some people project him as like a three and I'm like, he's, he's, no, he's a, too yeah. small. He's small. So, I mean, I feel like he projects well as a two. And if, I mean, I don't know if Beal stays or not, but I think especially if he leaves it, you know, it makes sense to try yeah, to replace him. The Wizards are in such a learn. weird, weird spot. Like they're, they're also they're kind of young. They're their core, but they also have guys like Beal and stuff like that. Where like maybe they can make a playoff push if they draft right and sign someone in free agency. Like they're they're probably the weirdest team in the draft because like what do they do at that point? But Johnny kind of like I feel like he fits that balance pretty well. So yeah, Gus and I always joke like we we ask each other like what is the most mid sports team? Period. And like, we they, always yeah. go back to the Wizards. Like, what do they do? Always, they're always so weird because they always have had like. Bradley Beal and John Wall, and then they make the playoffs, yeah. and then that's it. And then they're always out of the first it's, round. It's honestly, it's true. Like, I, I have nothing to argue against it. I don't, it, like, what do they do? They just draft best player they possibly can, and they go from there, I think. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. So, um, I pick 11 with the Knicks. Um, it's interesting, right? So, they need a guard um, because I, I don't really know what they do, right? They, they've never had a good guard in the past couple of years. I mean, quickly had a really good rookie year, and then I'm not really sure what happened last year. Um, but yeah, I think I want to go with the best point guard in this draft. It seems like consensus with Ty Ty Washington, who's just a playmaker, um, and who can kind of do it all. He was a five-star out of high school. Um, and that's what they need. They have, um, a very interesting player with RJ Barrett because he's so inefficient and can randomly put up 50 a game. And obviously, right. Like he's going to be a 20 point shoot, uh, scorer probably next year. Um, then Julius Randall, who, had a very interesting season as well, right? He was getting to the rim. There was a point where he was getting like 25 and 10 or 25 and 15. It seemed like for a few like months straight. Um, so it seems like he's really good in the paint. So I think they do need a guard and Mitchell Robinson as well. Right. Um, 
Right. So, I mean, yeah, best guard available. I think Ty Ty Washington makes sense. And maybe you want to go with Dyson Daniels. Um, what do you think with that? I think if like Dyson, if Dyson is off the board, he will be off the board. Like in every draft, he's going to be off the board by like, I don't see him going past eight max. Um, Ty Ty makes sense for the Knicks. I also think that they can trade back and still get him in like the teens or almost even a 20. Um, I think the Nuggets and the Spurs, teams who have two late picks in the first round and want to trade up to go get somebody, they could do that if they want to get Ty Ty. Um, I actually am, I like people hate him. I don't know why. Like he went through a lot of injury issues at Kentucky. He played next to Severe Wheeler, who is literally one of the smallest starting guards in the country and like is only a passer. So it made it tough on him. And that's why he's become this combo guard. But He's a really he's a really patient scorer. He's really good in the pick and roll, which I love. He's got a really good floater game also. So I think being able to navigate those NBA style sets and looks is going to translate pretty well for him. And I think he's going to be good. Um, it's tough because like the Knicks, I don't know. There's a lot of guys on the board at this point, like that, or you can go all like Sohan, Duran, like whatever you want to talk about, like, even AJ Griffin and stuff like that. The Knicks need a lot of things. I don't think they just need guard. Um, but I don't hate the pick at all. If the Knicks pick a le- tie tie at 11, the Knicks fans will riot, but I think it makes sense. <laughs> I mean, the Knicks fans rioted after Porzingis and it worked out, so I don't know. Good uh, point, like, actually. We thought it worked out, but then like they kind traded of. him and it didn't. Yeah. He was looking really good there for a little bit. Yeah. Um, he's on the Wizards, too. I always forget he's on the Wizards. Um, <laughs> it's the Wizards, man. No one knows. See, I, I feel like I'm going to end up throwing you a lob at 13 um, because I'm 100% sure you want Duran at 13 because it just makes a ton <laughs> of sense. And, like, who wouldn't? <laughs> but uh, I don't feel like he's the best fit in this case for the Thunder. Um, <sighs> Let me ask you why not. I want to know why not. <sighs> I don't know. I mean, like, I guess they do need center. It's true. Um, he doesn't – sometimes I just go with, like, okay, does he feel like a – super like Oklahoma City I mean like he's athletic strong I mean Mikey was watching a lot of his film and he's like the way he rebounds the ball and like the strength and aggression is like unmatched in this draft in terms of like the way he goes after the ball and I think a lot of teams like that that effort the strength aggression athleticism all that he has and I feel like in a way it just makes more sense if he goes to the Hornets. Don't get me wrong. I think that he the Hornets will trade up. And hey, try draft to get for him. yourself. Draft for yourself. But I do believe. I think. Okay. I think that he's a. Per, he's like a also like I. If correct me if I'm wrong, but he's also pretty good around the rim. He can catch lobs. Like he's got that athleticism. I feel like, you know, his defensive ability and inside ability is something that Josh Giddy would benefit from. Just his mm-hmm. ability, his little outlet inside. His maybe it's like those Kavon Looney type looks where the Warriors attack little dish dunk. He might not be scoring like on his own post ups and stuff, mm-hmm. but the Thunder don't necessarily need that, especially if they're getting Jabari at two already. So we're talking about thinking they just got Jabari, they just got a score. I don't think I need another guy like AJ Griffin, who's uh, going to be an outside scorer. Uh, so I guess I'll take Duran. I think he probably. I'm not sure if he is like the most Thunder prospect or like the best fit, but I think at this point. I, I would be very surprised if he falls past the Knicks. And I would also be very surprised if the Hornets didn't make an effort to get him because that's like a most glaring weakness in their roster by a long shot. Because it seems like Isaiah Roby, who's their starting center, has to be like the smallest looking seven footer <laughs> ever. When when I used to, um, when I was doing fantasy football, uh, basketball research in the beginning of last year, um, some people were telling me to take Isaiah Roby. I drafted him thinking he was a point guard. Like he, he looked so small. 
Um, and it's, it's crazy to me that he's seven feet tall. But anyways, yeah, that makes sense to me. I definitely think they need um, a center. But at the same time, Duran seems like he would be really, really good on an established team. He feels like a um, like when you watch the NBA Finals, right? It seems like guys who are getting the boards and not doing not flashy are the guys that are actually benefiting the most, right? Andrew Wiggins becoming a guy who's uh, grabbing all those boards and uh, Robert Williams as well. Guys like that seem like a new need for teams and something that's like interesting how the NBA is shifting. So yeah, Dern. I I think like you said, Dern's not like a thunderous player. Like he's not Chet or Poku or something like that. Yeah, he's not. Yeah. That's what that's what I think of when I think of the Thunder. That's fair. But like he is a Thunder player. I'm pretty sure. So I just looked up exactly when his birthday is. I knew he was 18. I'm pretty sure he's the youngest player in the entire draft class. Like he is ridiculous. He has so much room to grow and. People, I think the stigma around like true centers like him that are super strong and aggressive, kind of like DeAndre Ayton also, after him going first, DeAndre Ayton a few years ago, and Luka and Trey and guys like that being behind him, and then people were like, what the hell were the Suns thinking? Even though everyone was kind of on that, a lot of people were on that page. That's kind of a negative stigma against big centers like that, when in reality, DeAndre Ayton would still be a top three pick or four pick in that draft because that's what he's worth, and he's worth a max deal. He's going to get it from somebody, and modernizing their game is huge and Duran has been doing that like he has a really good mid-range he's showing signs of stepping out into a deep mid-range if he develops a three ball like the league is screwed he's going to be a top three center in the league in five years um but I really like I don't I don't think he falls past 10 or nine to be honest I, or even if 10 he'll someone will trade up for him um but the horn if I'm the Hornets at 13 and 15 I call the Wizards at 10 if he falls past nine I'm like I will give you both these picks I don't care I, I want Duran. I will give you both these picks because we can't bank on him falling to us so I mean, I think the Hornets will make a very, very strong push to get him. I don't think there's any way that they, if they get him, they got to walk out of the draft feeling good because I yeah, feel like that's. I mean, he's he's an instant starter for them at 18. So yeah, yeah they're definitely an elite team with rebounding because yeah. that's what else? What other glaring need do they have? Right, defense also, but yeah. kind of gets both. Those I mean, things. I would feel fine with Sohan if they didn't get. Um, I mean, they need that defensive versatility. Like I don't like Lamelo has improved, but he's not a plus defender. Bridges, he's I don't never going to be a good defender. Yeah, yeah. It's Bridges is not like ever going to be a good defender. I don't think his Lamella, feet are that fast. I don't think Lamelo is ever going to be a good defender. No. Interesting. I I think you it's kind of like focus issue. Say again. You don't think it was like a focus issue? Um, a little bit, but I also think that's like clearly part of who he is. All at the same time, can that change? Whatever, but he's really like agility wise and stuff like that. He doesn't use his size super well, and it's almost like the same but the opposite of Trey because Trey's really small, but like. Trey can be as effective as he can on defense. He can get better, but he's never going to be a good defender in the, in the sense like compared to the rest of the league, if that makes sense. He can be a fine defender, and LaMelo can be good enough to not be a problem is all he has to be on the Hornets, to be honest. But they need defense more than anybody in the league, I think, to be honest. Maybe the Hawks do too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but I was... speaking of defense, yeah. Um, I have to pick at 13 of the Hornets, yeah. They – defense is – if, if Durant is at 13, like – I, they would sprint to the podium. They'll do it. I would sprint to the podium. If I was working for them, I would do it in a heartbeat. But I would still have a brisk walk to the podium to get Jeremy Sohan if he's still on the board. Maybe not a sprint for Dern, but a, a brisk walk because Sohan played small ball five off the bench for Baylor, and he's big. He's a good rebounder. Like I said, the most versatile defender in the class, he is going to impact right away. His motor is insane. Like This is the guy that the Hornets need, and with 13 and 15, where you can look at maybe center at 15 or something like that or still consider a free agency, like get a guy like this to pair with another center and your defense gets flipped on its head and it's going to be good and much, much better. Two times better than it was last year. 
Um, so I'm definitely taking Sohan. Like I said, my favorite prospect in the class, uh, and it's an easy pick for me. I am I'm in complete agreement. Mikey doesn't love I don't you not, I feel like you don't like Sohan, Mikey. That's you told me you didn't like him as much. Yeah, well, I Okay, here's the thing, right? The NB this is more of like a like a I don't know, a philosophical argument here. <laughs> the NBA is entertainment. Defense <laughs> is not that entertaining. When I watch players that literally can't score, it's so painful to me. And taking a player in the lottery who can't score that well is so painful. Um, and I think, sure, like a guy like, uh, I don't know who are, who are guys like that? Like Killian Hayes. Let me, let me ask you a question. I'll ask you a question that's exactly like that. If Dray, if you went back to whatever it was, you don't know who the other guys are. Would you take Draymond in the lottery somewhere? Um, I would. If you knew what he was going to be, I think it's his question. But, if you knew that this but was, but playmaking, playmaking versus he, not ability to score. Like, do you think that? Sohan can become a Draymond-esque running the offense. Um, I he but, won't be able to run the offense, but but look how Draymond plays with Steph. Like y'all have watched it for years. He does it. He's not a primary playmaker. He's a really good secondary playmaker, and I think that's exactly what Sohan is. So next to Lamelo or Trey or Garland, who are teams in this range, like that's perfect. He no, has. To I deep. would take him. I, uh, don't get me wrong. I no, I, I would. Take I think him yes, he can be first. that. Yes. But yeah. Um, there's. I no mean, problem. I. The thing that stood out to me when I was watching his film is, I mean, he's hitting guys on back cuts. He's throwing lobs to, I mean, Kendall Brown uh, we saw. Uh, but just, you know, his, his, he's, he, he was ball handling in the pick and roll. Like, he was a guy with the ball. Yeah, uh, he does you don't everything. see that at 6'9". So, like, when you watch a guy who can do all of that for your basketball team, like, get him a jumper and everyone's in trouble. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I mean, buy his, for, for the record, I buy his mechanics pretty well enough. Like I do yeah, a lot of fine. studying in my, throughout the year when I have downtime, like I want to see guys that don't shoot well. Why aren't they shooting? Well, I don't think, I think he projects to be fine as a shooter in the league. I don't think he's going to become a Ben Simmons thing where it's a, it's a freaking issue. And like Draymond has been in the last few games. I don't think it'll ever get that bad. And he's shown enough on the ball and comfortability shooting the three and stuff like that to be okay. What do you think in the NBA um, is easier to develop, right? I've had this argument with Gus a few times. Do you think it's easier to develop the defensive aspect of being in the NBA or a shot, right? Yeah, the it's probably the shot, but um, it depends. A defensive guy, how Sohan and Draymond and, and like Scotty Barnes play, I think that's harder to develop because that's a complete mental game to me, and I think you don't you can't teach that. It's impossible. And Sohan has this crazy like he's, he has great humility, but he has. This he's been all over the world and he takes that a lot. Like I, it's I'm getting into a lot, but he's been to like Germany, Poland, England, U.S. in the last like five or six years, and he's learned. He said he learned so much from all these different kinds of games and to become a better defender, defending against all different kinds of styles and guys that like completely bite. Like when we watched North Carolina game when Baylor played North Carolina, complete dogfight. They were down by 30 and came back. He was the main catalyst of that, and he's throwing his body around maybe a little too much at times, but like. You want guys that do that because 99% of the league is never going to do that in the NBA ever. And Sohan is going to be one of those guys. That's why I said yeah, something about Draymond. Your defensive ability is – you're probably not going to lose that. A shot, though, is very – can be very inconsistent, right? Yeah. No matter what the player yeah. is. You literally saw the best shooter in the world go for nine from three. Five, so you never know. I mean, the th- I, I, we, we have talked enough about Sohan, but I will just say um, – he has a veteran Marcus Smart, Draymond, like, 
you know, Dylan Brooks, as much as I hate Dylan Brooks, <laughs> like gets under your skin. He's He's a pest. Like he's going to yeah. impact the game. Even if it's not like having the ball and it's not like a basketball play, I'm not saying he's going to be dirty, but you saw, I mean, like he's like banging with manic and he's creating all this, like, yeah. like Big he's going to bring yeah. that. I feel like the Hornets are a team that has none of that. They're like a flashy, fun team. They have, they feel like a team that is just like, like they might be really high in your fun rankings. They throw a lot of lobs. <laughs> like they got Terry Rozier, and you know, like they have athleticism, and like I like that aspect of them. But like I can't see them winning in a playoff series, or even like really yeah. getting close. Like they weren't going to win the play-in because when it came time to buckle down, Trey Young showed them that they weren't ready. That's right. And but guys like that, those are usually like veterans, though. Like a, you're still exactly. going to have some of that like non maturity from a rookie no matter who the rookie is even a guy but i mean like, like the hornets are like have a nice young core they have lamello they have bridges like i feel like they have some and mcdaniels is solid like they have like they have some guys who can can hoop i just so like you, yeah yeah when you can add like a guy who already has that like veteran type ability exactly. like he doesn't need to develop the mental side of the game he's just like can you shoot the ball now can you become better as a playmaker just work on your basketball game he's well, figured he's it all out on that side and when you surround yourself with Lamelo and Terry Rozier, you probably will be able to develop a shot at some level. No, or you become more selective with your shots, and you become you make the most of them, and you really work on this. But I don't like, and mechanics are easier to work on. Mechanics and consistency are easier to work on than like than getting in your brain and stuff like that. I think, and especially in a short period of time. And like you said, like like you said, like guys develop into that over time. They definitely do. But if you can get that at age nineteen, like you don't know what that's going to become. Like I, I don't even think Draymond did have an aspect of that in college, but like. No one knew what he was going to be, and like, if you can say like we can project him so on to be like that, then that's crazy too. So, yeah. So I've uh, I've had a good like fifteen minutes to decide <laughs> if I think I pick fourteen. Um, so I don't really know exactly what the glaring need is for the Cavs, and I think it's probably small forward um, because they're starting a Coro right now at small forward. Um, so I'll take best player available probably, who's AJ Griffin, a ridiculous three point shooter. Um, I think he had the highest efficiency, if I'm not mistaken, with a 44.7% from three yeah. uh, efficiency, which is just unreal, right? And they already have the playmakers. They already have the defense. Um, and so there you go. You get a 222-pounder, 6'6", small forward, and I think it's perfect for a team um, that probably just needs an efficient score because they have everything else. It could be a better fit. Little, like. They don't need an on-ball threat. They need someone to catch and shoot. They don't need someone to play defense a lot. Like it's literally exactly what you're so you're so right. And like if he falls to 14, like I'd be surprised. But no actually, yeah, would no be at, I would be that surprised because of his injury history also. And I know like the Knicks might take him, but I don't know if the if the Hornets or Thunder would. I don't know if the Wizards would also. So like there's a chance he could slide a little bit. Um, but it's literally exactly what they need. He's a ridiculous shooter. I mean, it's just like, I, I just like, sometimes I like to think like, all right, you're projecting like what you're going to look like in the half court. Garland, ball screen with Mobley or Allen, that's already effective. And now you got AJ Griffin in the corner. Like, do you help off of him or do you give him an 80% chance of making an open corner and three? If they, if they keep calling Sexton, that's another another score as well. So, yeah. yeah. Their, their team is good. And adding a guy like that makes, I, I don't love AJ Griffin as a prospect. Like overall, I, I don't I don't see his career taking off at any point but it's so easy to slot him into an offense like this it's ridiculously easy yeah i mean he's a guy that can fit in any offense because if you just put him in the corner like he's gonna he's gonna <laughs> give you a couple threes and he's so almost you, automatic from that spot so guy like is that what you're 
Is that what you're thinking? No, um, not in a sense. Well, PJ has got like a level of dog to him on defense. I think AJ struggles on the ball for sure. He's not as dynamic athletically after his injuries, I think is where things did change, but in like high school and EYBL and stuff, but he, I, I don't think on the ball, he's ever going to be a good threat. Like people wanted to be like Jimmy Butler and stuff like that. Like he is like, like Sadiq Bay to me is kind of where I, where I put him at. Although I love Sadiq Bay. Um, but like Sadiq Bay is never going to be a consistent all-star. I don't think it's down the road. Um, just like I say with Adrian Griffin and defensively also like mentally and physically agility wise and stuff like that. Like that's where he lacks a lot. PJ, mm, I think he he'll, he's a better shooter than PJ. He's going to be more effective than PJ, especially right away. Um, but we'll we'll see with him. I could be I could be very wrong on AJ, but who knows? I I feel like that pick makes sense. We don't have to do too much debating on it. Uh, <laughs> I have number fifteen with the Hornets. We just got Jeremy Sohan. I think we feel great about that. Um, a lot of you know the top level guys are off the board, uh, and then the decision now is well. Look, I know we didn't get Durin. There's a one center that I'll take. He's available. I consider maybe Tari Eason here uh, just for that defensive ability. Uh, but I think we just got a guy who can guard multiple positions. I'm going to go with a tr- like a like a center. I know he's a little bit lean maybe for a center. People think he gets pushed around. But in terms of lobs and like fitting into the Hornets system, he makes a lot of sense. That's Mark Williams from Duke. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there's that much argument with this pick. Like, they need a center, and he's the best center, and he's... What? What, Mikey? He's a monster. He's a monster. Yeah. Seven foot two. Yeah, and he is, you know, reject... I mean, if you watch in the tournament, teams didn't want... Like, they went to the rim, and he was like... And at the start of the year, he was in a lot of foul trouble in a lot of the games, but really worked on his discipline over the year. Um especially in the tournament, like he was able to limit those fouls, be very disciplined when going up for blocking shots. It was really amazing to me that he was able to con- like have the body control to, you know, swat these shots inside and not pick up like stupid fouls for like jumping at stuff. He just got like uh that sort of like veteran ability to do that already, which I really like for the Hornets. Uh, he's an amazing lob player. He and Paolo worked really well together. I think Lamelo and him would work really well, really well together. Bridges can develop that playmaking to throw like you know the Blake Griffin to DeAndre Jordan type stuff. He reminds me a little bit of DeAndre Jordan in that sense. What? It's crazy they have another lob. If they draft him, they have like three lob threats. So yeah. I mean, that's crazy. That's a. But I mean, like threat. that's sort of what they want to do, and we've seen him working on his three pointer. I don't think he's ever going to be like an amazing three point shooter, but his mid range jumper, his form is like not terrible. I don't think it's like his mechanics are fine. It's not nothing crazy, but if he can develop that, like he just adds another level to his game. He needs to become more physical. I think that's the biggest thing with him. Like he's the opposite of Duran in a little bit of a sense. Like I don't feel like he's nearly as aggressive going for rebounds maybe as, but like on the offensive side, he's getting putbacks. He's going to throw down a lot of dunks. He adds your, to your fun factor that you like, he's going to block shots. He's going to get some boards. Like I feel like he, again, he's a starter for them at this point. Uh, even here. He's exactly what they he's exactly what they need. Like you said, like he fits everything they need. Defensive anchor, pick and roll threat, lob threat. My thing about his defense, like he was one of the better defensive centers in the entire country this year in college basketball. Like Rudy Gobert gets trashed for his quote unquote lack of switchability, which I don't know I don't think is necessarily true. I think Mark Williams have the same issue in Charlotte. He had like I think he only switched on to guards on pick and rolls instead of staying home. It was like four or five times the entire year. Like he doesn't go on to guards very much. And what he does, he has he has clamped at times. But with lack of defensive help on the perimeter, I think it would it would cause a problem, basically. And it would make him look worse than he is, like it does for Gobert. Now, as a rookie, you have less expectations, so people aren't going to be as critical of you 
like they are for Rudy Gobert, who's a, who's a multiple-time depoy. Um, but I think it'd be the same issue. I don't know if he'll get to depoy status. Um, but I, it, it, like I said, it makes a lot of sense. I just don't buy in to his versatility and switchability on defense as much as people think it's there because it's not there. There's no, there's no way to study if that's there because he doesn't do it. Like, he literally doesn't do it because he probably can't. Uh, do you feel like Duran is more switchable then? Um, I do. I yeah. I think Duran is much swifter with his feet, especially side to side agility wise, and I buy into his defense very much more. Especially on Memphis, he had to do a lot more all over the place versus versus like to defend wings and guards and stuff like that because Memphis wasn't as good as Duke. They didn't have as many good defenders, so he had to do a lot more. Well, Mikey, unless you have anything to add, that pretty much wraps up our 15 picks. I guess I will ask you one thing, Ryan. Two things. Who is your dream guy for the Hawks to get since you're a Hawks fan here at 16? I mean, here, Tari Eason is there. So, I mean, he's... Tari makes sense. He probably will be here, too, on draft night. Um, I want Jalen Williams from Santa Clara. I want him at 16. We need another star. We need defense, but... You saw the Heat series. We need another player. We need another ball handler. And it's that simple. And I legitimately think that Jalen Williams can be a like if you watch him, someone uh, my my man Noah Hardwood Trash Talker. If you know who he is, he brought this up to me uh, in an article. He I think he wrote it too, and he brought it up. He said that Jalen Williams reminds him of James Harden. I haven't been able to unsee that, um, and I do see a little bit of that in him. And like he could literally be a star. And I want that on the Hawks. And I don't think we're going to be drafting here. I think they're going to end up trading it. I think they're going to end up trying to get eight and trying to do this, trying to do that. Will it happen? I don't know, but I would love him. I'd also love if Usman Jang or Jeremy Sohan fell to us, but that's not going to happen. So, uh, and I mean, in this draft, so you would take Jalen Williams right here if you had, if you were taking the 16th pick, you would take Jalen Williams. I would, but I know they're going to take Ochai Baji, which I'm perfectly fine with. Also, I completely understand that. I just, I just want to take Jalen Williams because I want to buy into that, and I, I want to get every piece of stardom that 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 might come of that. You don't think Ochai could be a star? No, no, I don't think – I think Ochai's got one of the highest floors and one of the lowest ceilings out of the first, I don't know, say 15, 16 prospects. Like, just kind of like AJ, but he's a more experienced. AJ Griffin, he's a better defender. He's longer and athletic. He's not longer, but he's more athletic and strong, and he's got better movement. So I think he plays off of Trey really well on offense. He's an off-ball scorer, high efficiency, really good catch-and-shoot player out of the three. He's a good lob threat also. He's a good defender to add to the wing room too. Um, I just don't think he's going to be – he'll be a star. Jalen Williams has a higher ceiling for sure. But Ochai, like, there's no way he's not going to be good in the NBA. No chance he's not good. All right. Well, that pretty much wraps it up. Uh, let us know if you are listening, if you have any issues with what with our takes. Or, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, if you agree, we'll be posting a clip or two probably from this on TikTok. Uh, so you guys, you know, and if you're seeing that, well. go check it out. We'll tweeting it out. But, yeah, this is the, this is the stuff. Thank you so much, Ryan. Um, it was great to have someone who really, you know, I feel like knows it better than we do. And like, I mean, I felt, I felt myself asking sometimes like, Oh, is, would Ryan do this <laughs> during it? So, uh, definitely, uh, great to have you on. Great to have your insight, not just another person, but someone who actually knows their stuff, uh, at least in my opinion. Um, and yeah, Mikey, you got anything? No, that's pretty much it. Um, good luck to the Warriors tonight. Hopefully when we post <laughs> this episode, we'll be relieved um uh, yeah that's it thank you guys for listening yeah. please subscribe uh follow us on tiktok all of it uh as pay takes so thank you guys appreciate y'all for having me on all right thanks for coming it's nfl draft season and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.